It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! This is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. You know this. Five teams, seven years along the offensive line, which is fitting because today will be part two of our O-line rankings. Today, we get into the bad offensive line. Well, we'll run through the average ones quickly, but then we got to go below average. We got to go to the poor. Those are the ones that really make a difference and that people care about because you might want to shy away from certain fantasy football players if you think their O-line isn't very good or it can be a tiebreaker, as we discussed last week. Please check me out on social media. I love when you do, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod is where we're at on Twitter and Instagram for this show and all the others, Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, College Draft Podcast. It's awesome. You can always check out our show on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. He's Joe Dolan. He's normally the star of the show, normally does most of the talking. Check him out at FG underscore Dolan, the fantasy gangster. We will be getting to the tears of Dolan shortly, which are huge because it's not just about ranking. It's about where they are in rankings. Different tier. That's how teams do it for the NFL draft. That's how I do it for my O-line rankings. That's how Joe does it for Tears of Dolan, which is probably the best thing to listen to or watch to get you ready for your fantasy football drafts. That or just going to fantasypoints.com and using the code 22 feet. All right, Joe, last week we went through the elite and above average O-lines. This week we'll quickly skim through the average. And then we'll get to the below average, and then we'll spend the most time on the poor. Although, you know what? We could do it reverse. You know what? Should we do it reverse order? Yeah, let's start with let's start with the with the slop, Ross. We're going to start with the worst of the worst. Now, why does this matter, Joe? Why does the worst of the worst matter? Because a bad offensive line affects the entire offense. In the case of ooh, the certainly the worst team on your list. It can affect the development of the quarterback. It's going to affect the run game. It's going to affect the receiver's ability to get open. Um, and it can be a tiebreaker if you're looking to make some uh, picks. And uh, for the one that's on the bottom of your list, Ross, there's a new regime, and they got a lot of work to do. Boy, they certainly do, Joe. Let's get into it. The worst offensive line in the NFL – do we have drum roll? The Chicago Bears, oh. which is sort of fitting because we talked about it last week, Joe. I still can't believe Ryan Pace cut Charles Leno last year when he had a rookie quarterback and had drafted a rookie right tackle in the second round with a bad back who wears glasses to play left tackle. What were you doing? Ryan Pace 
was evidently trying to get fired last year. I'll never understand it. Joe, I mean, the Bears' combination of O-line, new offense, young quarterback, and lack of skill position, it's scary. It's It's scary, Joe. You know, I know that their fans were up in arms that they didn't get Justin Fields' weapons. And honestly, I understand it. Justin Fields' wide receiver room is atrocious. They added Valus Jones in the third round. They had a uh, a couple of second-round picks that they put in the secondary with Gordon and Brisker. I mean, this – let's just put it this way. They didn't have a first-round pick. Coming into this NFL draft, there was nothing the Bears could do that wouldn't leave them at the end of the draft with one of the worst rosters in football. I mean, let, let's let's put it that way. Ross, they took a shotgun method to the offensive line, though. They selected four guys on day three. Now, look, there's, what, 160 starting offensive linemen in the NFL? Not all of them can be first-round picks, right? You weren't a first-round pick, Ross. Correct. So, what's a good outcome for the Chicago Bears? Out of their three, uh, excuse me, out of their four day three picks, two of them become usable players. Maybe one of them becomes a starter. Is that a reasonable expectation? I think that's the hope. I think the hope is we can get a starter or two and hopefully Maybe two a or player. three guys that can play. I would tell you it's unlikely. Yeah, I, mean, I would tell you out of the four O linemen they drafted, two of them probably will never play a snap in the NFL. Their starters right now, Larry Borum, last year's fifth-round pick, Tevin Jenkins, last year's second-round pick at offensive tackle. Cody Whitehair is a fine player, but I don't even think he's that great at left guard. Lucas Patrick is functional at center. Sam Mustafer at right guard to me is scary. Ugh. I don't know about him there. It, it's it's a bad O line. I mean, I'd rather have the Bills backups. I'd rather have the Eagles backups. It's a bad it's a bad O line, and I'm not sure Seattle Joe at 31 is that much better. These are poor offensive lines. Seattle likely will be going with two rookie starting offensive tackles, Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. Uh, The latest example, by the way, that this is sort of a rebuilding year in Seattle. Inside, Damian Lewis and Gabe Jackson are fine. Austin Blythe, I mean, he didn't really play last year. Couldn't get playing time anywhere. And the Seahawks pegged him this offseason to be their starting center, even though he wasn't even really a backup last year that got playing time. It's it's pretty remarkable that this is what the Seahawks are rolling out, especially because Cross and Lucas were known more for pass protection. And yet in Seattle, we know they want to run the ball. Yeah, um, but that being said, if I were a Bears fan, I'd probably take – I'd trade my entire offensive line room – for Cross and Lucas at this point. Just like 
young, high-pedigree offensive tackles. I like Charles Cross a lot. I know, Ross, uh, Seattle, by the way, had the third – they drafted the third of the three big tackles, right? Cross went after yes. – he went after Aquanu and Neal. So maybe they preferred one of those guys. But ultimately, I think Charles Cross is going to be th- – that pick made a lot of sense to me, let's put it that way, even though I know he comes from the Leach background. But to me, that pick still made a lot of sense to me. For Seattle. The next pick we need to discuss, Joe. Because I've got at 30 the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I don't know if you saw, but a couple weeks ago on social media, Steelers fans went bananas when I said that I don't think Najee Harris is a special player. And I don't foresee him being a top five running back in the NFL. I think he's solid. I think he's a good player. But I did did not see a lot of explosiveness or a lot of special. Look, there's eight or nine running backs at least I think I'd rather have than him. Am I way off here, Joe? Because Steelers fans went crazy. Um, yeah, I think – well, first and foremost, I just did a great interview with Brooke Pryor of ESPN. And the thing about Najee Harris is he's just an awesome dude. Like, he's so much fun to root for. And I think Steeler fans really appreciate the fact that the guy, as a rookie, put his body on the line for 400 touches. I kind of agree. There was a point where I thought he was a little plotting. Um Maybe he gains some burst as a second-year player. But ultimately, I don't know how good the yards per carry is going to be behind this offensive line. Although I will say, I thought James Daniels was a really just solid process signing. They didn't spend a ton of money. But, I mean, good Lord, the Bears could use him back right now at this point. Uh, Like, James Daniels, I thought, was a good, solid process signing. And they have a lot of young guys. Um, uh, I think... They have they drafted two guys last year, Moore and Green, and maybe those guys take steps forward. As heck, as we saw with somebody like Andrew Thomas with the Giants, it could take time even for the high pedigree offensive linemen to develop into solid players in, in the next level. So I think there's at least some upside here for the Steelers. Right. You know, they signed Mason Cole, who has never really been able to cement himself as a starter to play center. They signed James Daniels, who I think is okay. I, he's a solid I, player. I, yeah, he's a he's a solid pro. My point is, I still have him as the third worst offensive line in the NFL. So these Steelers fans that are like, dude, Najee was doing that behind. He only averages like six yards a catch, Najee. So forget about the O line. Six yards a catch. Yeah, some really? of that might be uh, might be how restricted the offense was, though, because Ben couldn't throw the ball down the field. So I, I'm actually really interested to see what this offense looks like with a new quarterback, Ross, because I think it can be better, like even with a rookie quarterback, because Ben was so restricted last year. That's that's what they're all saying. We'll see. Let's get to the Raiders O line, uh, which was disappointing mm-hmm. to me last year. You know, I thought Colton Miller has turned into a very good player. The other guys, not so much. Left guard's kind of a revolving door. They got John Simpson there. Andre James at center was okay. The right guard position, sometimes it was Leatherwood. Sometimes it was Denzel Good. Sometimes it was 
Jermaine Luminor, and now they're going to put Leatherwood back at right tackle where he struggled and was overdrafted. It's, it's, it's not a good offensive line. We'll see if McDaniels can get more out of him. Um, yeah, not, not a great line. They, and remember, a couple of years ago, they had a top offensive line, and then they just kind of dismantled it in one of the more bizarre moves that the last regime made. Um, and now they're paying the price. And in this competitive division, like the most competitive division in the NFL, this could be their downfall. Because, Ross, you'll, you'll notice we haven't talked about any of the other lines in this division in the bad section. As a matter of fact, you had Kansas City as elite and the Chargers as above average. So this might be the downfall of the Raiders, really, in this division where, look, you don't trade for Devontae Adams if you're not gunning for the Super Bowl. And every team in this division is gunning for the Super Bowl. Now we get to the below average group. 28 ranked is the Arizona Cardinals. I mean... They got descending players at left guard and Justin Pugh, center Rodney Hudson, right tackle Kelvin Beecham, and it never was really in Will Hernandez at right guard. It's amazing to me that they think Will Hernandez, who could never start for the Giants, going to be the starter, never be a good starter for the Giants, all of a sudden going to be a good starter for the Cardinals. That one I don't, I don't really understand. I do think Kingsbury's scheme helps them out a little bit there. Um, but don't love what I'm seeing from Arizona. And then what about the Titans, Joe? This was a strength. This was one of their strengths. Now I think their O-line's a liability. Taylor Lewan's good. Ben Jones, fine at center. But both guards and the right tackle are major question marks. Did you watch Dylan Radins last year? What did you, th- what did you think of him? Did not see him much, no. No, well, they got Petit Frere, um, which I believe means little brother in French. Somebody, uh, somebody, uh, let me uh, know if that's right. They drafted him, but he has some work to do. Um, and here's another reason, Ross. I got, um, of course, uh, uh, the wonderful social media team at Ross Tucker Media uh, always throws out Dolan's spiciest takes on social. And I talked a, a number of weeks ago about how I think the vibes are bad with the Titans. And, you know, of course, the Titan fans get in the uh, get in the mentions there. But when your offense is Derrick Henry right now, I mean, look, your top two receivers are a rookie who barely practiced in OTAs because of allergies and asthma and a a 30 year old coming off a torn ACL. Derrick Henry is going to be your offense and he's coming off a Jones fracture behind a bad offensive line. It's part of the reason the vibes are not good for me with the Tennessee Titans. The Jaguars, I've got below average at 26. They did go out and spend for Brandon Sheriff to try to bring him in there. Uh, they drafted Luke Fortner as a center, who's got a chance to start the third round. Oh, pick. that's Cosell's boy. He loved Luke Fortner. Yeah, he loves that guy. He actually um, thought he was better than Linderbaum, I think. The tackles, Jawan Taylor, Cam Robinson, I think leave a lot to be desired and left guard is still a question mark in Barch. I don't think anyone's gotten less out of their offensive line the last few years in terms of invested resources and time together than the Jaguars. Yeah, and for the Vikings, Joe, at 25, 
they continue to be a liability. I mean, it's one of like the things people don't talk about enough. The Vikings offensive line has not been very good in recent years. And in particular, that interior trio, Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, probably a disappointment as a first-round pick as a center, Jesse Davis, even Darisau at left tackle, I think the jury's still kind of out on. Yeah. The only guy you feel really good about is Brian O'Neill at right tackle. Well, they drafted uh, Ed Ingram from LSU um, who in the second round who probably is going to get an opportunity to compete for a, a guard job, I would think. Darisau... Ross, he was hurt a lot last year. I think he's a really good athlete. Um, I think I know you probably saw him because he was at Virginia Tech, so he was coming out. Good athlete. I almost wonder if, like, last year, because of the injuries, he was behind a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked if Darisaw take a, took a big step forward, and I think that would really help this line if he does that. Really good point. He had the hernia surgery uh, and issues related to that last year, Joe. I don't think you can write him off by any stretch of the imagination just yet, Darisaw. Nope, I agree. I also agree with you, Joe, that the bold button-downs and the polos at Express are awesome. You can get polos with different collar details, luxe fabrics, plenty of prints to pick from. I I think I got two button-downs and two polos with those prints that pop, lightweight fabrics. That's the key lightweight it's the summer find something for every destination at express online or in store up next joe it is the houston texans we get to the houston texans below average but they got a chance now to get you know and remember these things change during the season but they get a chance laramie tunsil left tackle titus howard played well when he was at tackles. Now you've got two pretty good tackles. They got Kenyon Green in the first round to play left guard. And they've got some battles going on there inside with Justin McCray, Max Sharping, AJ Can. So they've got better depth as well inside. Uh, and look, this is a team that now obviously – I know Davis Mills played well last year. As a matter of fact, I think you could argue he was the second best rookie quarterback behind Mac Jones. I would still take Justin Fields any day over Davis Mills in terms of pedigree. But you look at what the Texans have done here over the course of like the last like year plus, and given the situation that they were in, they actually kind of have some talent on this team. Like I, I don't think they're competing for a playoff spot anytime soon. But, like, you look at the offensive line and you look at the receiving core, it's actually got some intrigue to it. Like, Davis Mills is in a decent spot here. Like, not a great spot, but I look at the left side of that offensive line with Green and Tunsil. You know, Green, I think everybody thought maybe he was overdrafted a little bit. But, Ross, everything I read, everything I heard on Kenyon Green, and I'm certainly not a no-line expert, it was essentially this guy's a plug-and-play starter if you draft him. Like, that's the kind of guy he is. I would agree with that. Um, you know, the the 23rd ranked O-line, I've got the New York Giants. Now, I like Feliciano. I like Mark Lewinsky. But they're not above average starters. They're average at best starters at center and right guard. 
I don't know about Le- Shane Lemieux. He might get beat out by Max Garcia. Andrew Thomas definitely improved last year. They did draft a couple old linemen as well. And I think Evan Neal will be a very good player. I would think Evan Neal will be a very good player just about right away. You have four new starters on this offensive line effectively because Shane Lemieux got hurt in the first game last season. So you go out, they go get Feliciano Glowinski. Glowinski's a Pennsylvania boy, Ross. Were you aware of that? Northeast PA, yeah. Yeah, he's a Northeast PA guy. Uh, Evan Neal, um, for my money, I this might look stupid if Trayvon Walker develops into what he can develop. But I said all along, I thought the Jaguars should have taken one of the offensive tackles at number one overall and moved on from Cam Robinson. They obviously did not agree with that. Um, I know you kind of agreed with that, though, Ross, that you thought they should have taken one of the tackles at, at number one overall. Yeah, I'm not a big Cam Robinson guy, especially yes. not continuing to pay him. So um, I think the the Giants, I think, Ross, based on everything we've discussed on these last two podcasts, they might be the team that is in the position to make the biggest tier leap for you, depending on how like these new pieces fit together. Because there's four new starters, and we know the one who's returning is continuing to get better. Up next at 22, still below average, but knocking on the door of average here, the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I said earlier that no one's gotten less out of their offensive line of what they've invested in it than the Jags. Falcons have invested a whole lot. Jake Matthews left tackle solid. Jalen Mayfield left guard, not. Hennessy did some good things as the year went on. Lindstrom's been pretty good. Caleb McGarry at right tackle has not, which is why they brought in Jermaine Effetti to give them some depth and perhaps beat out McGarry if he once again doesn't show that he can be a starting right tackle in the NFL. Um, Jalen Mayfield, I, I feel bad for that kid. I remember uh, who, uh, I think it was Javon Hargrave who just ate his soul last year in week one, and I'm not sure he ever recovered from that. Uh, He had a really rough week one against the Eagles, um, but we'll see if Jalen Mayfield in his second year can develop, but uh, he was a guy who was clearly not ready to play, and they threw him out there to the Wolves early on uh, as a rookie. The last team I have below average at 21, but really knocking on the door of average, it is the Carolina Panthers. Not for not trying. I mean, they get Bradley Bozeman, who's solid, to play center. They get Austin Corbett to play right guard from the Rams. We know Taylor Moten's very good at right tackle. I love Ike Aquanu at left tackle. Might have some a, a little bit of pass pro issues, but I think he'll be okay. They're going to run the ball, though, Ross. I thought, stylistically, I thought he was a hell of a fit for what Matt Rule wants to do. Yeah, the, the the real question, I guess, is probably left guard, whether it's Brady Christensen or Elfline or Michael Jordan. They still have Cam Irving. The point is, though, now they've got some depth, and they've got some other guys that have played that they can plug in, which I think gives them a chance now to be a, a pretty darn solid offensive line. I mean, they've really invested it now. You go out and get two free agents – the huge deal they did for Moten, and you take Aquanu in the top 10. Uh, and obviously, uh, they also drafted, I believe, a Greg Cosell guy, Cade Mays, the guard in the sixth round. Again, Ross, sixth-round pick. But uh, that was a guy I know Greg kind of liked a little bit on tape, and you know maybe he's got an opportunity to come in and make an impact if he impresses here. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, that is uh, that. Look, he's going to be Deontay Brown. They took in the sixth round last year. That big boy from Alabama. Yeah, so they so got. You're right. They got Could depth. They have bodies. Yeah. Um. All right. The average ones. I'm just going to go through Joe. Um, the Dolphins at 20. Tron Armstead has to stay healthy. Connor Williams at center is very interesting experiment. Denver Broncos, I think, are average. Billy Turner at right tackle concerns me. I think the Jets have enough now to be average with uh, Lake and Tomlinson, but it's really all about Mekhi Becton. Now, they have other options if Becton stumbles, but he, he they need him to play at a high level. Um, Joe Douglas comes from the Howie Roseman school. Um, obviously, uh, he knows the importance of the offensive line, and they went out and they got a lot of depth. They drafted Max Mitchell out of Louisiana in the fourth round, and I thought it was interesting that they claimed uh, Nate Herbig from the Eagles, who's given the Eagles lots of snaps over the last couple of years, and he's a guy um, who provides you with solid interior depth. I have a question for you, Ross, because they obviously went out and signed Lakin Tomlinson. Do you think there's a chance, let's just say Becton doesn't play well, is there a chance Vera Tucker could kick out the tackle if they need him to? Um, I think he could. I don't think that's what they would do. I think that they would have um, – I think it would probably be – well, you know what? You're right. They'd probably go Fant at left tackle and Vera Tucker at right tackle would be my guess. Yeah, and that's just have... my question because if Becton doesn't well, – and by the way, I don't think the Jets actually know right now who's going to play left or who's going to play right tackle. I actually think – they're going to look at that, whether it's Becton on the left or Becton on the right. I think they're going to look at that in camp and see what works best for them. They're going to give Becton every shot, though. I do know that. Yeah, looking at the other guys then, uh, for the Colts, left guard, center, right tackle are studs. But right guard and left tackle, question mark. Right now, it, it, is it going to be Matt Pryor? They're starting left tackle. Oh, my. Yeah. Um I think, unless Ryman comes in and really impresses. And Ryman's an older prospect, though, so they probably want him to play sooner rather than later. But we know he's a raw prospect because he hasn't been playing football for that long. Yeah, I can't They did bring in Dennis prior. Kelly, though, Ross, who can give you snaps and not hurt you. The Niners are interesting as well. Um, with Alex Mack retiring, and, you know, they've got a new left guard with Tomlinson going. What I do like, though, is Brendel has been there three years at center. They've got Brunskill. They've drafted other guys, Burford, Jalen Moore. I think Aaron Banks, the second rounder a year ago, will probably be the left guards. That I've got faith in the Shanahan system to be able to have guys that, you know, maybe weren't highly touted be able to come in and play pretty well. Um, the Rams – I think we'll still be solid, even though they lost a couple of really good players in Whitworth and Corbett. I'm not going to say Corbett's really good, but they they lost a couple starters, Joe. Yeah, obviously Whitworth, and um, I, nobody's going to blame him for retiring. Retiring on top, you know, still playing well. Um, I think the, the interesting thing is they kind of tipped their hand a little bit when uh, – uh, who was it? It was Les Snead and Sean McVay. When they heard that Cole Strange went in the first round, when they were doing their little press conference, they were like, whoa, because they were evaluating him as a potential player to draft 
when they were on the board in the third round. Turns out they end up what? Taking an interior offensive lineman. And now it's Logan Bruss, who, by the way, is a Wisconsin guy, just like Rob Havenstein. Um, just they, like David Edwards. Yeah, David Edwards. So they have – they love their Big Ten offensive lineman there because I think uh, I, I think Brian Allen's a Michigan State guy. Yep. And so, then lastly, we got the Packers, who typically have been above average – I love the Packers O-line, but big question. The Bakhtiari thing is something weird's going on there still. And Elton Jenkins coming off his injury as well. They did draft Zach Tom and Sean Ryan to give them some more guys that might be able to plug in and Rasheed Walker. Uh, But you can't have your two best O-linemen with injury questions and me put you into the above average category. So that's it, Joe. That's, in two episodes, we hit everything we needed to hit with all 32 O-lines. Make sure you tune in next week. I don't know if we're going to go with a guest or if we're going to get into some tears of Dolan. You'll have to just stick around to find out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. He's at FG underscore Dolan. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.